Autobiographical podcast for the Heller. I'm your host, Joel Gratzik, and today I'm talking with my friend Mason. How's it going? It's you know, we're on day like forty five thousand of shelter in place. So it's it's pretty solid. Living <laughs> the dream. I, I you know, it's actually been good. Um I I had a had a job interview right before shelter in place went into effect. So like my mental health went from zero to a hundred. And then, like, the world ended, and I'm like, oh, I'm doing great now. So it's been good. It's actually, like, shelter-in-place has been a chance to reconnect with my wife in a way that I wasn't expecting. It's been it's been really good. We've had a chance to really get to know each other again and really have a lot of conversations we needed to have and work through some stuff. And I just, that's been pretty magical. That's fantastic. How did you two meet? So we met on OkCupid, like stereotypical like meeting online somehow we had zero friends in common in the small community we live in and so like two queer people in a small smallish town who have no friends in common is pretty wild um and and we just like i saw her i saw her profile and was like oh my goodness wow and so i messaged her strategically she's a children's librarian so i messaged her about a book i just read I was like, hey, I really dug this book. What do you think about it? Two weeks went by, no reply. And like, I had talked myself down. I was like, it's okay. You're not a type. It's whatever. It's all good. Right. She had had bronchitis. So, of course, she hadn't been checking OkCupid. Okay, uh, so, she oh, sent, okay. sent me a message. And we talked for a couple of days. And it reached the point where it was like, we have to meet. But it was February in Missouri in the middle of a blizzard. And I had literally zero dollars in my bank account. So I was like, what do I do? Ask her to go walk in the mall and not buy anything. Right. And I was like stuck on it, like freaking out. And then she she asked me on a date. And I was like, yes. Okay. So we went and saw a musical. And it was a friend date. Like it was not a date date. Except apparently when she saw my eyes, it magically became a date date. And I didn't realize it until intermission when she bought me wine. And I was like, oh, this is like real. <laughs> um, and that was like stereotypical like there's a there's a stereotype in the in the lgbt community that lesbians you haul on the first date um i moved in with my wife basically a week after a week of knowing each other i officially like on paper i had my own apartment but i was i was living with her that's a fun story though yeah no it's it's a great it's a great story and you've got a little one now correct i do i have a three-year-old firecracker who keeps me keeps me on my toes and we just got a kitten oh i didn't know that how's that going that's it's actually been really good we have a uh she's now about six weeks old kitten named nugget um who is still alive in a house with three-year-old and is is just the cutest thing ever this afternoon she climbed up onto my shoulder and fell asleep and just like conked out it was the cutest thing ever what made you want to get a cat have you guys wanted a cat for a while or just we we had a cat um my wife my wife had a cat when we met who she's had for forever and she she was just really old and died in february i'm sorry to hear that yeah 
And so it had been about two months. And then our friends were like, hey, we found a kitten in our backyard that had been abandoned by its mom. You should totally get it. And I was like, no, no, we don't need a cat. You're like, my wife's allergic. <laughs> I was like, we don't need a cat. And, and my wife was like, but, but, and so we were like, okay, we'll foster the cat. We fostered that cat for about an hour. And then I fell in love and was like, fine, we have a cat. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love pets. They're great. They're yeah. great. Yeah, they can be a lot of work, but I, I really <laughs> like pets. We had a dog for quite a while and she got sick and passed away. We haven't gotten another one, but I think it's because we liked that particular dog more than we did dogs in general. If we had, you know, I'm not asking from anyone to do this, but if we had a puppy, like, fall in our laps, I can understand that same thing. Like, right. oh, we'll find it. Like, no, no, like, we oh, have well. a dog. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, I guess we'll take this tiny kitten in. And then I just fell in love. I was trying to think earlier today. I don't exactly remember when we met. We met, let's see. It would have been about six or seven years ago. Um, because I, so I went to high school with a girl who was very active in the Five Iron Frenzy fan community. Um, and I stumbled into the Five Iron Frenzy, like online revival when the band, band CD came out. So it was like right about then. And oh, we met okay. through, through Facebook, the Five Iron Frenzy that Facebook makes sense. group. I, so I don't, I don't think we've met in person. Not yet. Not yet. I could. Okay. I was going to say, this could be a real jerk move if I'm like, yeah, no, we hung out one night. And I'm like, I don't remember that. (laughs) (laughs) No, we haven't. We haven't met in person. Not yet. It'll happen. Okay. Not yet. Were you Missouri, right? Yes. Yes. So not in Missouri very often. But yeah, I've I've been past there a few times in the last couple of years. So we'll make that happen. Well, and I got to get up to Chicago I love Chicago. I it has its problems, um, and I think about wanting to move away every winter. But I I really like living here. Yeah. We've been here, geez, almost our whole married lives. My wife and I. So my younger sister went to culinary school in Chicago, and I fell in love with the city when she was living up there. Like I just fell nice. in love. So I've spent a lot of time up there. If I if I had to move to a big city, it would be Chicago in a heartbeat. I am a, a big fan of Five Iron. Yeah, no, whenever, like, my random fun fact is that I'm still a fan of a Christian ska band from the late 90s is always, like, my random fun fact to make people laugh because they're like, that's random. Yeah, um, that's but yeah, funny. Like, Five Iron helped get me through high school. You know, it, it's, I felt, I felt seen, and I was never a part of the community back then. Um, I, was, I was on the third day message boards a lot back in high school. Never, never stumbled into the Five Iron ones somehow. Um, but yeah, like Five Iron was like, oh my goodness, I can be like a little bit more out there and not so traditional. And it gave me a space and permission to to exist. You know, as a, I didn't know I was queer back then, but I knew I knew there was something different about me. I knew I didn't belong. And like being a Jesus punk like gave me this space where I was like, okay, I don't belong. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was good. It was good. How did your journey progress beyond that part of your life? Yeah. So like, 
my my story is complex. Like I was the the good little Southern Baptist Bible thumper kid, um, who was was kind of punk in high school and knew they were different and didn't belong, but didn't know why. And then, like my senior year of high school, depression hit really hard, and I ended up um, in the hospital for self harm. And when I was 19, I first realized that I was attracted to women. And like, it shook me. And the next, like from 2002 until 2007, eight, I was a, was a hot mess, like in and out of the hospital, applied for disability. My mental health was, was off the charts, terrible. And then in 2007, something like snapped in my head and I was like, I'm gonna go back to college. I'm gonna go to the University of Missouri. Yeah. And so I come okay. to Columbia and like for the first time in my life, see positive queer representation. I'm like happy LGBT couples holding hands around downtown. Awesome. And got flirted with by girls and was like, oh, I like that. Oh, I have to <laughs> do something about this. Uh, so I came out and and like the wild thing is from 2002 to 2007, 2008, I was inpatient seven times. Um, in 2008, my seven did last, well, not last anymore. That's all. I'm still figuring out how to tell this story now. Um, 2008, I came out and I was inpatient and I went 11 years without being back in the hospital for mental health issues. And then like this year it flared up again, but like that's having bipolar for you. So like that's, that's like the wild ride of my story is like this complicated like relationship between being queer, having mental health issues, and being in a conservative faith tradition, and like getting excommunicated from my church when I came out, like formally church disciplined, and losing my older sister, and then you know it's just it's just my my story is a wild ride. I'm like I think about it sometimes, and I'm like this is like a made-for-TV movie <laughs> happening, <laughs> and it just keeps going, you know. <laughs> That's how life is. Sometimes yeah, that's like the, the brief practice. overview of like high school and early college. At least you've got some stories to tell. That's good. I've, I've, I've got some stories to tell. That is true. It is, you know, it always feels good to get hit on. One place it doesn't feel good to get hit on is in the psychiatric ward. It's not a place you want to get flirted with. It's just not. I, I'd imagine <laughs> not. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> it's I, I like having these kind of conversations, though, because the more people talk about things, the less of a stigma is put around them. Exactly. I'm like, I'm, I sometimes worry about how open I am, honestly, more so about my mental health than about being genderqueer because of the stigma surrounding it. Like, I feel like I am more apt to be judged because I have bipolar than because I'm non-binary. Which is kind of the opposite of what people would assume, I, I feel like. Like, I feel more physically threatened, but I feel like opportunities aren't going to come my way because of the bipolar. Interesting. I, I didn't think about that sort of a thing really until a couple months ago either. Um, I started working with... Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, and they do a lot with children's mental health specifically. Yeah. And they have a whole thing about breaking down stigmas and, and having allies in that space. And I never really thought 
of that being a taboo subject until I started speaking about it online and then seeing mm-hmm. some of the reaction from parents yeah. or others that I wouldn't normally talk to having very strong opinions about it. And I was like, yeah. oh, wow, they, it, it is. It is a taboo subject. Yeah. And it, like, I don't I, think it should be at all. No, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be an issue. I should, I should be, you know, like the only thing I edit myself on when I'm, when I'm writing is, is the mental health stuff. I edit it down. So it's less, less scary for other people. And I'm like, there's a balance of like, where it feels like an overshare and where it's like, no, this is just honestly my life. Sure. And figuring out how to navigate that is is so complex sometimes where I'm like, no, I want to talk about this because I need to do the work to decrease the stigma. But I also don't want people to judge me or for it to affect a job opportunity in the future, which is yep. wild. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's, it's ridiculous. It took me a long time um, to be okay with the fact that, you know, I need to take medication to be able to make sure that I am a normal functioning person. Right. And it's been like, two years maybe two and a half years now that i've had um helps me out immensely right like i'm like Uh, i take i take my meds i go to therapy i see my psychiatrist it's just part of my life you know and it's it's so normal to me at this point but then i real then i have moments where i'm like wow people don't get it people just have no conception of like i literally cannot control my brain sometimes without help like it just my brain does not work and it's, it's wild because people just don't understand unless they live it it's good to have a, a, a support group and i feel like you have at least even if it's a small support group you have some people around you I do. that support you and help you through I these do. times I when do. you need it i have i and my family we all have an amazing amazing group of friends who have just showed up so so fiercely um the last year has been really rough for me mental health wise and we've we've had friends who have brought us dinner and and like we have a church that has brought us dinner and and prayed for me and taken care of me in a way that i never thought i would want again like finding my way back to faith is is another wild ride in the story of mason i'm curious what what was what was it that brought you back to faith when I assume you left it for a while because of yeah i I left the church after I was excommunicated, but I have always believed there's something bigger than me, and I reached a point where I missed the community, and I went to a screening of the film Fish Out of Water, and there was a pastor from a local church who was on the panel. It was at a, at a women's film festival and she spoke. And afterwards I went and talked to her and kind of told her what had happened. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try and go to this church. It was like lesbian minister. I was like, okay, they've got like rainbows on their logo. I can do this. Nice. And I still like almost had a massive panic attack the second I set foot in church. Um, but this church has just been a space where I've been able to come and go and be as present as I'm pot- capable of and has been just like, oh, you changed your name? Cool. We'll roll with it. 
And like I was an elder up until my mental health issues came up and I didn't have capacity anymore. And, and just, I missed the community and I missed the, you know, my perception of Jesus is this radical out there leftist, you know, when you really look at like the Sermon on the Mount, it's like, whoa, we're talking about some big progressive stuff here. And I like I made the choice in the LGBT community. We talk about reclaiming words like slurs, you know, words that have been used against us and taking them back and making them ours and giving them power. And for me, I call myself a Christian just because it makes some people who claim the same term recoil as a visibly queer person and as an openly queer person. And so I just that's like my I need to push the envelope on this topic and on this conversation simply by existing. You know, when I say, yeah, I'm a Christian, there are people who go, wait, what? On both sides of the aisle, both LGBT folks and, you know, cishet white people are like, shocked. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, let's further this conversation. Yes. I have been hurt by the church. I have been hurt by Christians. I have also been tremendously helped by the church. I have also been supported by Christians. Maybe we can reframe this and I can play a role creating a healthier Christianity. I think that there is space for someone like me to take a stand and to claim the term Christian even when it hurts because there is power in me working to claim that word. It's, it's wild because like 16 year old me would be appalled by 34 year old me but 34-year-old me is happy and 16-year-old me was miserable and hated themselves. So I'll take it. You're happier now than you were then. What are some of the things you're doing now that bring you joy? I know you're a speaker and a writer. Yeah, I love to speak and write about being a genderqueer parent. Um, I love being on stage. It's like, it's, it's like the high for me. It's so much fun. Um, and... I've recently gotten really into tarot and like drawing cards and like that's been really actually monumental in my life is like this super hooey wooey thing that like 16 year old me would think I was going to hell for (laughs) but it's it's kind of been really cool how it's helped me to get in touch with my intuition and what I really want and what I really need instead of trying to listen to everybody else's voice. But that's that's been good. And I mean, watching my daughter do headstands in the chair while she watches her shows and going on walks with my family and digging in the dirt and building a garden has been has been awesome. Where where do you see yourself in five or ten years? I I I dream of being like on stage with Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle. Like that's what I dream of. Um, and being a voice on, like, being an advocate for the non-binary and genderqueer community. That's the dream. Um, I, that would be super cool, but I'd also be super happy having a job doing diversity and inclusion work and living life with my family, you know, with a nice garden in the backyard and enough time to enjoy it and, and doing work that matters and having an impact in my community and the world at large. But the dream is Brene Brown, always. 
That's a good dream. It's a fun one. Not it's a fun one. Yeah, I mean, not that you need my approval, of course, but um, I, I agree that that's that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think we've reached kind of the the end part of our podcast, um, where I ask my guests if they have anything that they might want to share about how I may have changed um, from the time that we met to the present time. We've we've known each other, but kind of in this peripheral way, where it's like we've seen each other online, but never really had a chance to hang out in person. And but I still feel like I've seen you grow more confident, like just in the way you show up in the groups we're in and the way you show up online. Like, I just see you being like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about. And and it seems like you've gotten a lot more comfortable in your skin and kind of accepted like who you are and what you believe and where you stand. So that's cool. I will accept. It's good to hear that. And I think um, just like we were talking about before, part of that, not all of it, but part of it is definitely due to my being able to talk with my doctor and have yeah. uh, medication that I need uh, to be able to do that. Yeah. Those meds, man, they're magical. <laughs> I didn't used they're to think so, so. And then, you know, so <laughs> I experienced them. <laughs> right? They're so good. Like, oh, that's so funny. Oh, my goodness. Take your meds, kids. Take your meds. Absolutely. <laughs> Take your meds, eat your vegetables. Right. And life will be better. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for spending time with me chatting today. I hope your week ahead better than the week behind. Uh, amen. Amen and amen. <laughs>